the Maximum Beathead Podcast. Just due to uh, IQ alone, I'm going to be staying out of a lot of these conversations. (laughs) (laughs) No way, man. There's a, well, we talked about it, right? There's that balance between like, uh, I guess like a good quote to start it off with is the idea of like a brain surgeon and and a carpenter are no less able, they're no less skilled. A brain surgeon's ability is limited, not by his like understanding of medical science, but by his ability to use his hands. He has to operate, and a carpenter's ability is limited by his understanding of like physics and types of wood, not just his ability to use his hands. So there's like a meeting between like intellectualism and like skill, right? Right, like physical ability. So, you know, I think like everyone's linchpin is the opposite side of the argument. Right. So yeah, like man, fucking IQ doesn't matter. I don't, I don't know anything. I agree. I don't have a PhD, so yeah. Je comprends. <laughs> I agree. Just send me in the building burning. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll do the regular intro first, yeah? Yeah, may as well. Welcome back to another episode of the Maximum Meathead Podcast. We're bringing you the meat and potatoes of fitness with a side of bullshit. We're your hosts, Muscle Bill and Punch Paquette. Yo, 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 just made it in on time, buddy. <laughs> yeah, fire call of the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, missed out on the workout today. I'll let you bit. introduce our guest first before I get into that. We have with us today Mr. Killian Hamilton. Hey, everybody. Very happy that he came all the way out here in the middle of Grimsby. Yeah, <laughs> and, apparently it wasn't Grimsby. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's great to have you out, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's exciting. I've been looking forward to it for like at least a month now. Yeah, so. me too. Yeah, I'm man. keen for this podcast, man. Just our breakfast conversation there. And I yeah. just got a taste of our workout. Too bad I had to be called away. But uh, yeah, I was keen on that, man. I could tell you know your shit. So this is good. This is uh, going to be a very informative podcast for me. So why don't you tell the people who you are? Uh, yeah, so my name is uh, Killian Hamilton. Uh, I'm a personal trainer as well as uh, I'm head coach of uh, Canada, you could say, with Prescript, uh, Prescript.com. Uh, we offer uh, courses, seminars um, for coaches, higher level therapists, uh, as well as we also offer uh, online coaching for bodybuilders, powerlifters, Olympic lifters. Um, so I oversee a lot of the coaching that happens here in Canada uh, and the education in person, uh, as well as I train uh, 15 clients a day. Nice. You're based yeah. out of uh, a good life gym? Yeah, I'm based out of a uh, good life fitness in uh, Brampton, Ontario. Nice. Yeah, so I'm there from 5, 6 a.m. to 7, 8, 9 p.m., seven is, days a week. So fitness is your life. Pretty much, man, nice. whether I like it or not. Yeah. Eh? It's, yeah. the, it's the old ball and chain, so. Yeah, exactly. And then you escape away from work and you end up having to teach us some tricks yeah. in the gym. <laughs> to hang out with a couple more meatheads. <laughs> yeah, it's great. At another gym. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I think I think I made this a career just because this is what I like. Like, I could sit here and we could talk shit all day, right? I could yeah. throw crazy exercise terms out and talk about skill acquisition for hours or read about it. So before that, I was a carpenter, and that's a little-known fact. So yeah. I used to build high-rises and do trim carpentry. So I built prisons, high-end hotels, oh, skyscrapers, yeah. and wow. uh, not as passionate about that as I was about fitness. So I no. <laughs> thought if I'm going to spend... Uh, Spend every day doing something that's going to kill me, I'll uh, do what I like. Nice. And I see you're sporting a fanny pack. Yeah. Is that a bacon and barbells one? Yeah. I love the fanny pack, man. Yeah. I actually, uh, I wear it around my waist. All these kids are wearing it like over the shoulder. Over the shoulder. But, uh, yeah. I'm not about to do that. You're repping it proudly. Old yeah, school. Old the school. original yeah, way. You're, right over you're the You're an OG. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw the shoulder thing. Covering my boner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The old boner flap. Yeah. So. Beauty. Take away the shadow. <laughs> so... You said you've been training the good life? 
Yeah. How did you get into training before that? So you you were a good life trainer now, carpenter before. Yeah. Let's rewind so, a bit. Uh, yeah, let's rewind. I was a carpenter first, so I went to like a month of university and dropped out. Uh, outside the window of uh, my university class was a construction site, and uh, it looked like a lot more fun. There's <laughs> dudes building shit. So yeah. I dropped out of university. I bought a hard hat, and I just walked onto the job site and got a job. Just pretended I worked there until someone started paying me. <laughs> um, I just complained I didn't get paid, and they paid me, and I started being a carpenter. But uh, I did that for a while, and I got laid off. Like in construction, you know, there's ebbs and flows in, in busyness. And uh, I was just going to the gym at the time and training myself, and I was watching trainers train people. And I thought, like, you know, I could probably do this better than them. I didn't think that. But uh, I just thought, you know what, like, I'd like to show people how to do this. Like, I think there's a method to it coming from a trade. Um, I kind of understood the idea behind skill acquisition. Like first I learned how to use a handsaw. Then I learned how to use a skill saw. Then I learned how to use a jigsaw. So like there was a level of skill acquisition that I learned. I got to the gym and, you know, I started on machines. Then I went to barbells. Then I learned how to do powerlifting. So I kind of saw parallels and I thought, you know, maybe I can do this as a career. So I applied as a personal trainer and got into it from there. Wow. So what, uh, what age would this have been when you applied as a personal trainer? Uh, I was 21. Okay, and were you lifting beforehand? Yeah. So, so I, you've always been athletic? Yeah. Your whole so, life? Yeah, my whole life, like, I grew up playing, like, a pretty high-level uh, rugby. I played for... Uh, nice. What position? I was fly half nice. until I, was... I got too short, and then I became scrum half. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, inside center. I love that no game. No way. Man. Yeah, it's the best, man. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal game. Yeah, those are the two best positions, too, fly and, and inside, right? Yeah, like, like you, inside. Get to, you get to run. And smoke. Yeah. Smoke the dude. Yeah, so that's the best that part. Just smash that guy. <laughs> yeah. That was my favorite part. Like, my dad got me into rugby because uh, I wanted to play football, and football was expensive. Mm. And uh, my dad knew I wanted to hit some people. So he was like, hey, man, you can go out there, hit people all day. No one's going to get mad. So I uh, signed me up for rugby. It was like 100 bucks. So I played rugby for a long time, and I ran track and field, too. So. Nice. And then uh, from there, like, that was my the biggest, like, basis of athletics. And when I couldn't play rugby anymore because of concussions... And I started lifting weights. So what, who made that choice? You? Uh, well, the doctor did. Yeah. They gave me a medical ban to play rugby. So I oh, tried, really? to, oh. tried to play and I had a medical ban. I can't go back. So uh, then I had to do something else with my time. Got gym membership. Oh, crazy, man. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, it does suck. Yeah. Brain trauma sucks. Yeah, getting your brains bounced around. Yeah. I'm all about it, but it does suck. Did you have any sort of uh, like rehab stuff to get like out of the brain trauma? Have you ever had to go and like, go through? Yeah, uh, played ping pong. Okay. You know, did word searches, all kinds of different cognitive stuff, stuff on the computer, you know, matching lights, matching letters. Mm-hmm. Get so my you brain may back. have learned something there that helped yeah. you in the future there. For yeah, I don't know. What, what we were talking about, I'm sure we'll discuss in a, little, a bit here. Yeah. Hitting yeah. those neurotransmitters and whatnot. For sure. Yeah, a lot of that stuff helped me early on. And like at one point, my concussion was bad and I ended up getting like uh, like a lot of blood in my eyes and I had to take a week off school. Like I was like pretty much blind. Yeah. Like I had limited visibility, like my brain bled into my eyes. Holy shit. I couldn't open up my eyes. I was sensitive to light. Couldn't go to school. So I missed like three weeks of school. I'd go back to school. I'd pass out in the hallway. Yep, man. And after that, like my parents and the doctor kind of kibosh getting hit in the face. Well, yeah. No Weird, doubt. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Probably a good choice. It would have been fine. But, uh, and that's kind of a funny tie into me doing bobsled. Because like you're not supposed to do bobsled if you have a history of concussions. And Oh, no doubt, man. You yeah. biff on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> You're, 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 you're smashing out. I've seen that shit in the Olympics, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. no bueno. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just lied on the application and said I didn't have a history of concussions. Right. So just slid in there. 
When was this? When were you the bobsledder? I would have done bobsled. I think it's about three years ago now. Yeah. When so I, it's recent. I met yeah. you. Uh, we competed in RPS 2016. Yeah. And you went to do bobsled, I believe, after that, right? Yeah. So it was pretty much, I think, almost immediately after that meet. I don't know the timeline. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I did my last meet uh, in RPS October 31st. And I think I flew out to Calgary November 9th. Yeah. Yeah. And then you did this whole craziness to try and... Bobsleigh. Yeah, so I, I awesome. kind of committed a year of my life to doing bobsleigh. I, I went out west for almost three months, and uh, I literally got off a plane. Uh, the guy who was the pilot of the bobsled drove me the bobsled track, and like I was off a plane at ten. I was in a bobsled by one p.m. in the afternoon, going down the hill. So. Wow, really? Yeah. So what was your goal with this? I I just wanted to see how far I could take it. It was literally my lifelong dream. Like I tell people, and they're like, "Yeah, right." Like, like what? Did you watch that movie? Jamaican Bobsled? Yeah, the Cool Runnings when I was a kid. Yeah. So uh, I was born. I was born in Calgary, not too far from where they where the Olympic Village is. And uh, when I was a kid, and then watched Cool Runnings, and uh, the Ontario Science Center has like a fake bobsled. Sure. Oh yeah. And uh, my parents had a membership there or something when I was young, and I used to always go sit in that thing when I was a kid, like for hours. And uh, yeah, then I had the opportunity to do it. It's like, it's a lifelong dream. Why would I throw Crazy, it away? Man. Yeah. That's just something I would never think of. You know what I yeah. mean? But I guess if you're surrounded by it when you're sure. growing up, yeah. that, ma- that makes more sense. Yeah. And then I heard, I knew someone who was on the, the women's team and uh, she was like, you know, are you fast? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm fast. I don't know how fast you got to be. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know it What's took your to be gauge? a bobsledder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Faster than this guy. Um, so yeah, I went out to this like dry land tryout and everyone had like track cleats and they were doing warm-ups and like, I don't know, I just ran when I played rugby. Yeah. So I showed up and like, I, don't even, I think I had like Sperry's or Vans or some shit on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I ran like this Fly 30 and uh, my time wasn't great, but it was good enough. And like two weeks later, I got an email and said like, hey, do you want to come out and, you know, push a sled and try out out here nice. on the track? Uh, so yeah, I kind of like dropped everything. I quit my job, took all the savings I had and uh, I flew out west. I was like living in a hotel. I lived on like a guy's couch really yeah that's fucking nutty man yeah I mean, it's pretty crazy so like yeah i had like no job no income i was like living out there for like two three months and then uh, trying to do bobsled i've no. met a lot of people in my day i think you're the first bobsledder that's why i yeah. just throw me for a loop yeah. man you're literally the only person yeah. i think i've ever heard do that before jay jay does or did bobsled yeah right? so that yeah. was like a, a big motivator too is like jay nira he did bobsled as well like he went to university of western played football then he went and did bobsled uh, another buddy of mine, when he was the same age as me, Brody Thorne, he works at Good Life as well. He's mm-hmm. the VP. He uh, he did bobsled as well when he really? was like my age. Yeah. Huh. So, so uh, is it anything like the the dryland tryouts? Is it anything like in Cool Runnings with the little sleighs with the wheels and they fall off? And no. Stuff? <laughs> Luckily not. No, it's like very similar to what you'd see at like the NFL Combine. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So like you nice. run a thirty meter, so that'd be similar to a forty for anyone who's seen the Combine. You do like a medicine ball throw as far as you can. Okay. Um, and then you like do a like a shot put style or granny style, uh, granny style. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And you just launch up front. It's like mainly cool. like to see your hip extension. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, cause basically if you're the brakeman in a bobsled, the way you initiate running with the bobsled looks like a power clean. Okay. But you're completely cool. sideways. So it's all hip extension. Yeah. So they test your hip extension there and then you do a broad jump. Yeah. Another just yep. like display of like how explosive you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like frame of reference, I'm five, seven, maybe and like 170 pounds. Bob sledders are 
<laughs> I asked Muscle I guess, Bill what he, what he thought you weighed. He's like, 170. I'm like, dude, I'm fucking 190. See the guy's legs? He's not 170. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> so I think he's around 170 for sure. He's yeah, like, no way. Look at your arms, though. Look <laughs> like, at my geez, arms. Like, Jesus, man. I'm really surprised you're 170. Yeah. You, good guess there, Muscle Bill. I yeah. would have bet you money on that. I should have. Yeah, you should have. <laughs> I'll bet you dinner. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway. fra- frame of reference, Bob Sledders are 5'11", 6 foot. Jesse Lumsden's 6'6", I think. Wow. Holy jeez. Uh, and they're like two bills, 225, 245. Yeah. Like, these are big dudes. Uh, so coming from like powerlifting where I was good at it, and going to bobsled where I'm literally the smallest guy there. Like that was a big, a big adjustment to make mentally and then physically too, right? Like now you're not the, a big fish in a small pond, right? Right, right. You're literally nothing. Like you're a, a you're skid mark and a giant pair of underwear. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're going to look at it anyway. That's a good way to be, man. It's really It's a good place is. to be because that, you know, you got to work hard. Oh yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like nobody gives a shit about me here. I need to prove yeah. myself. Like it's, t- it's go time. No, yeah. that's neat, man. I, yeah, I knew you went out. I never knew how it all kind of came around, and then you just came back. Makes a cool, yeah. diverse background for yourself, though, uh, moving ahead with your training as well, because you've done the real world tradesman, yeah. right? You've done the sport, yeah. chasing a sport, you know, like training routine. I don't know how severe it is for the bobsled team, but you said the testing's like an NFL combine, right? Yeah. So you got to be in shape. And like, every, so like, I would be there. So like for November, I think like if November has 30 days, we were probably in a sled more than 20 days really and it's like in the morning you're at the gym lifting weights yeah and go take a nap and eat lunch and at night you're in a sled so. right so you know what it's about yeah and then you're you got a powerlifting background yeah so and, uh, and obviously just gym rat overall because you deal with people dealing with or trying to get muscles right putting on muscles yeah. or rehab or yeah so um like even though i compete at powerlifting i've competed at powerlifting six years now um, like four different weight classes. Like I was 146, I was 165, I was 183. So three weight classes. Um, and then I traveled to Portugal for worlds one year, the WPC. Um, I've cut like 20 pounds to do a powerlifting meet. Yeah. How'd that uh, go? In how long? Uh, under 10 days. Yeah. 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 Like I always tell people, I'm like, oh, I cut 20 pounds. You know, it takes me like 10, 14 days. It's probably like three days, though, to be honest. Yeah. I'm pretty lazy <laughs> about it. it all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wait till Wednesday, the way in Saturday, and I just uh, water fuck. cut the rest of it. I, I always try to do it too, but it's like same deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's stress that like, gets rid of my weight half the time because I panic so hard. Oh, yeah. like, I look at the, the uh, scale, I'm like, holy shit, I'm never going to make it. I did a huge one in my last fight, the biggest I've ever done, and it was just so scary but i think once the stress kicks in it just sheds it away yeah that was my favorite part like i competed in a federation that allowed a 24-hour weigh-in because oh, i yeah. just did powerlifting to cut weight that's sweet i didn't even care about lifting <laughs> weight <laughs> you want to do the weight cut process yeah i just wanted to cut yeah. weight like i'm like i don't compete in the ufc but i'm like i watch these guys cut like 20 30 pounds yeah. and i'm like i want to try that mm-hmm. um and then like powerlifting like it's just exercising in front of people like powerlifting is the world's boring sport like, it's like a Metallica backyard barbecue, but, like, there's weights involved. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Way less barbecue, though. It's yeah, a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was like, oh, man, like, let's see how weight cut goes. So, yeah, I used to walk around at, like, 176, 179. I'd cut to 146. Wow. Crazy. So, uh, I did it more for that than I did to right. lift weights. Um, it's funny. I, f- I follow a weight cutting program that was built by a power lifter. Oh, no way. I think it was a Croc something. Oh, is it Matt Croc? Matt Croc? Yeah, I, th- I don't know. Croc is his nickname. Monster. Okay, it was probably Matt Croc then. Oh, it could I be. I think, what's his name now? He's not. I don't know. It's, it's not a, Matt it's anymore. Female, yeah. yeah. 
Okay, yeah. Jen, now it's Jen, Jenna or Jen. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. The same guy who shot my film um, with Blue Star shot the documentary on her. Oh, no way. Oh, Transformer. Cool. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Michael at uh, shit. The place. His his company. Sorry, awesome, Mike. man. Michael Del Monte. Shout He's out. awesome. He's <laughs> awesome. But yeah. Shout so, out Michael Del Monte. So I followed that a little bit just because uh, he was doing it. Well, holy shit, man. Yeah. I'd never put two and two together that that's the same person. Yeah. That's fucked up. <laughs> Light bulb, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. in their, in his formula, he does like a 30-pound plus cut in 24 hours. Yeah. I know uh, Carol. Uh, yeah, Brian. Yeah, yeah he's Brian got that book. Carol, yeah, Brian Carroll. He has that book. I downloaded that book on water cutting. Similar idea. Yes. Yeah. I think he's uh, more like seven days, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, right. Did you do a bathtub water yeah, cut? Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> like the super suck. hot water. Oh, they yeah. suck. That's the worst part. Oh, it's yeah. excruciating. I never want to do that and again. And I just hear my heart go, boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Like, this might be the end. Yeah. This might be and the end. And when you cut enough weight, like, you're so sluggish. Like, you can hardly think. You can hardly oh, yeah. move. Yeah. Like, it's awful. At, at, at first, when I was cutting weight for my last fight with my roommates, I'd get out of the tub, put a towel on me. Then they'd come wrap me up. By the end, I was falling on the floor. My dick's hanging out. Yeah. I'm like, just cover me, boys. <laughs> just cover me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you get, like, you transform pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I remember, like, cutting weight and, like, not being able to eat by the end of it. And, like, I would chew ice cubes and yep. spit them out. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah spit yeah. them out. That's, like, mentally satisfying, I yeah, find. Yeah, like, when oh, I'm, just chewing When I'm going right? crazy, it's just like, ha, <laughs> <laughs> It's the best part, man. That and like sour candy and like chewing dude, it, spitting it out. Oh, dude, that's the worst. I don't even like talking about it. Yeah, it's dude, it's it's tra- it's traumatic. ruined. Yeah, it's ruined. Uh, like nice mm-hmm. little warm tub, you know, a hot tub. Yeah. Take the lady in the hot tub. As soon as I start sweating, I'm like, fuck it. I gotta get out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that mental switch goes. Yeah, pupils Survival. dilate. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, before we get, uh, you got to reel us in, Bill, because yeah, yeah, we're getting into the weight cut here. hole. Yeah, exactly. We're so let's be- uh, let's do a quick speed round. All right, speed bag them. Oh, yeah. All right, number one most important question: Who's the hottest Disney princess? Uh, Jasmine. Nice. Uh, favorite supplement? Ephedrine. Yeah, we talked about <laughs> banned. That. I'm getting banned. banned. You're, no more IPF. Have you ever ripped your pants at the gym? More than once. Yeah. Doing what exercise? Showing a client how to squat. (laughs) (laughs) Bad day for skinny jeans. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite shitty food? Favorite shitty food would be, uh, well, Mexican's not shitty, so pizza. Pizza, yeah. That's your go-to? I'm going to go to pizza for the shit. Nice. Most hated piece of equipment at the gym? The uh, FitFix back extension, if you go to a good life. Oh, yeah. In the circuit section? Yeah, the back pad one where you uh-huh. lean back. Mm-hmm. Get that fuck. Ass or titties? Ass. <laughs> I would sure. <laughs> Muscle Bill would ask you, so I had to. <laughs> That's the most important question. Yeah. If you had one exercise, or what's your favorite exercise? Oh, favorite exercise? Yeah. Uh, all-time favorite, probably pull-ups. I'm going to nice. go pull-ups on that one. All right. Morning sex or night? morning nice and as i ask everybody what did you have for supper last night last night i had a steak and uh, purple sweet potatoes where do you find those i found them at fortino's it's really weird they almost taste like blue raspberry to me is purple better interesting i don't know if they're better for you apparently they're high in potassium but they taste yeah. better than sweet potato mm. and they don't seen... get mushy you can bake them for like three hours really? and they're like still starchy huh. that's interesting yeah huh i don't know if i've ate so i'm going on that how strict are you on your nutrition? 
Um, I could go with a cliche answer of like 80, 20, uh, but it's probably even more than that. Cause I strictly eat the same junk food every week too. Oh, nice. Um, so no, I meal prep and, uh, eat the exact same foods every day. So I recently switched to cream of rice, but prior to that I was eating oatmeal. Right. Um, and then I eat two meals of jasmine rice and ground beef. Uh, and then for dinner, I usually have steak and rice. Simple. And that's Monday through Friday. Uh, Friday night, I eat at a Chinese food restaurant and I get dumplings. Awesome. Uh, Saturday, probably have a steak. Sunday, probably have ground beef and rice while I'm doing meal prep. How often do you have pizza then? Uh, pizza is once a month now. I used okay. to eat pizza all the time. I was like once, twice a week. Yeah, right. Uh, and I stopped eating pizza and I have like no desire to eat it anymore. Interesting. Yeah, just it's like out the window. I had pizza a couple of weeks ago. It was all right. But like I could also never eat a pizza again and probably be fine. Really? I eat uh, an ice cream a day, though. Oh, nice. Okay, <laughs> yeah. there. I'm with you, man. Okay. Yeah. So, I'll do all that other shit, too, if there was ice cream yeah. once a day. So, uh, like, prepackaged drumstick ice cream, I eat one drumstick every single day. Good. Yeah. There, you are human. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, like, your shit food's pizza, but you never could eat it again, but I have ice cream every day. Yeah. Well, ice cream's not shit food, right? Like, I think that oh, it's great serve, for you. serves performance in some way. Yeah. There's fat and sugar and carbs. Yeah, I mean, everything has yeah. some sort of... Uh, and then, so if I eat the ice cream, then I don't eat rice with the steak. Yep. I have a steak and an ice cream instead of steak and rice. Yeah, and that, beautiful. That's strict though, eh? Yeah. Every day. Uh, I, I believe in this idea that like, I don't like to eat at work, so I don't eat things I like at work. And I'm at work from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m., so yeah. I'll just eat white rice and ground beef. I don't taste it anyways. I'm just right. eating and training the next Just client. fuel, yeah. 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 So you track macros and stuff then? Is that kind of uh, your... No. Would you have any idea? Like you obviously are familiar with it, but... Yeah, I think at any given time, I probably eat like between 150 to 190 grams of protein and then probably close to 200 grams of carbs mm-hmm. and then 60 to 70 grams of fat. Uh, if I count macros, I count it for a week. Just whenever I change foods, I'll yeah, count right. macros that one week and then I don't need to track them ever again because I don't do flexible dieting. I just eat the exact same thing every day. Yep, that's what I'm at. I weigh, I don't like doing macros either. I could care less. It's like, I'd rather weigh my food and then, okay, fine, figure it out once. But like, I don't give a fuck how many carbs are in my rice. I just yeah. want to know if it's 100 grams or 150. Yeah. And I'm good. Yeah, and I just bought like measuring cups at the dollar store and I eat yep. a cup of rice and half a cup of ground beef. And, I'm, and it's like, man, if I got fat, you then I would eat it. anything on it. Uh, I use Chihula jalapeno uh, hot sauce, sauce. the green one. Hmm. Shout out the green hot sauce. It's the best. (laughs) I never use a green hot sauce. Really? It's a little scary to me, yeah. It's not not that hot, but in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to eat fucking green sauce. I don't know. It's not relish. I hate the red one. I love rice and beef, though. Yeah, yeah rice and beef is the best one. The, whatever you were just talking about, cream of rice is it? Muscle yeah. Bill. Yeah. Joel's had a real problem yeah, with that. So I'm having, <laughs> I, I, made a, I made a protein powder, cream of rice, a little bit of peanut butter, and cinnamon. This is a good snack simple. for anyone yeah. listening. How, how do you make it? Sorry? I think it was like a third of a cup of cream of rice, roughly. A scoop of protein. I put a little bit of water in it, stir it around, you know. And then I put a spoon of peanut butter, a little cinnamon on top. And it's just a real easy snack. Such an easy snack. This is not much to it. But when I made it, it was kind of palatable. And Joel made it. It was like a bowl of sand. Yeah, it's like <laughs> sand, man. He's like, he, te- he called me. He's like, man, what was in that box you brought me in? Like, scream of rice. He's like, yeah, so I bought that shit. <laughs> and it tastes fucking terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. Like, nah, man, so I got to give it another shot here. And you <laughs> yeah. say you eat it too. So I must have fucked up because you yeah. guys wouldn't eat it if it was like the yeah. way I had it. No, <laughs> like I was eating... 
I eat it pre-workout um, and I was eating oatmeal and it was all right. But like sometimes, I don't know, like I would either feel like I was still hungry or I just, you know, I, I wouldn't feel the best when I was training. Um, and then, you know, rice is easier to digest than oatmeal. Uh, it's also gluten-free if you're celiac. Yep. Um, so I started doing cream of rice. The weirdest thing was like, it's just rice, right? Like it's just yeah. creamed yeah. rice. Like I had this idea in my mind, it tasted different, but I'm like, this just tastes like the white <laughs> rice I'd eat at lunch. Yeah. I eat every other de- or meal. Yeah. So rice. I was like, yeah. oh great. Another meal of rice. This is more <laughs> exciting. Not. What do you put in it then? Uh, I just use, uh, that Walden farms, uh, pancake syrup. Sure. Put that shit on Ooh. everything. And no, no protein, a straight carb intake. Oh yeah, no, just yeah. nice cream of rice. Is that just special syrup or? Regular syrup or is there something sugar It's like uh, sugar-free. Yeah. Oh. So I think it has sugar alcohols in it probably. Yep. But uh, it says sugar-free, so yeah. no macros there. No, I, I don't track my macros anyways. Yeah. So if you're hungrier on one day to the next, you don't eat more? N- to be honest, not really. No. I might eat... If I eat more, it'll usually be around a workout. Like if I eat the cream of rice when I normally do, and then I'm still hungry before I work out... I'll eat, a, I'll eat a granola bar maybe, or I'll just eat another serving of cream of rice. Mm-hmm. No fruit? No. I can't even think of a fruit. Really? A name of any fruit. But uh, Fruit's been a tough one for me. I've, what? I, I feel them like, yeah. I, I like apples and oranges have been big lately. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't eat any, any fruits and I don't eat any vegetables. Yeah, I'm with you there. Really? Amen. Yeah. I'm, I'm into the vegetables. Yeah. I think like until I don't eat the ice cream and the dumplings on Friday, I feel like there's a diminishing return on the vegetables. <laughs> That's my argument. I'm like, I'm not getting anything out of them anyways. I have more room to improve somewhere else. <laughs> right. yeah. My lowest hanging fruit is not vegetables. Yeah, yes. exactly. I'm all about fruit. the lowest hanging fruit. So it's not vegetables. So why do you track your food so much? Is uh, it a weight maintenance thing or is it? Not really. Like I, I weigh in now under my weight class. Like I compete 83, but I weigh like anywhere between 77 and 79. So I'm not really worried about if I put on weight. Like it'd be great if I put on 4kg even. I wouldn't be upset. But uh, I think it's just routine. It's very simple. Right. Like if I had to make a new meal on Sunday, it would be stressful. I'd be like, well, how do I make this? And like how much time does it take? Yeah. How much food do I have to buy? Like... I eat ground beef and rice because it's really quick and simple and it's cheap, right? Yeah. Like I can get a week's worth of ground beef for 15 bucks and yeah. a $7 bag of rice lasts a month. Oh, right, wow. yeah. So it's like, oh, this is great. Like I just eat forever yeah, this exactly. way and it's simple. In the summer when you could barbecue, like instead of ground beef and rice, I would eat uh, chicken thighs and sweet potatoes just because I could put them on the barbecue. Sure. But that was the only difference. And I just ate the equivalent amount of those foods every day. So more so for anything, it's just uh, it's, uh, taking out that stressor. Eliminating stressors at all Just times. creating routine. Yeah. Smart. A lot of your life is yeah. about efficiency, right? Whether it's exercise or diet and whatever. Yeah. I think and like the idea of, like, like Joel said, is eliminating stressors. Like yeah. any extraneous stress is stress. Like stress is an aggregate. So imagine a big bowl. I always say like a big bowl of candy or like, Chex mix, right? You got Cheerios, you got Chex, you got pretzels. It's Chex mix. It's a big bowl of stuff. Stress is the same way. Like sleep, diet, not having money, training, all those are going to end up being stress at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. So just eliminate it where you don't need it. Right. So you talked about uh, low-hanging fruits, kind of your whole deal, Yeah. which is great. And I think we should talk about training a little bit as far as what kind of philosophies do you apply to training with regards to a low hanging fruit sort of strategy then? Like how do you apply that to your clients or to yourself? Yeah. So, uh, with working with prescript, like there's a model of stability, skill and strength or stability, skill output, depending on where you're going with it. 
Um, and that low-hanging fruit would be stability. So anything that deviates center of mass reduces basis support. And I think that's a good jump-off point for a lot of people, especially strength training athletes. Like, you probably don't need to do reverse band, zercher, pin squat. Like, you probably just need to get better at standing on one leg. Um, but low-hanging fruit would me, for me would be skill acquisition. Like, uh, me and Joel were talking about it. Me and Bill were talking about it earlier. Uh, people don't spend enough time getting better at a skill before they look for strategies. Mm -hmm. So I think the low-hanging uh, fruit ends up being, number one, like cognitive skills. So neurologically, like, does your body know what it needs to do? When someone says knees out, do you know how to push your knee out? Um, you know what I mean? Like when someone says, you know, press your palms into the bar, do you really know what that feels like? So I think developing those low neurological cues for yourself and adapting them to whatever sport you play is, is the low-hanging fruit. Sure. So. In my sport of powerlifting, that would be specificity. So if I do low bar squat, I'm going to literally do as much low bar squat as I humanly can until I can't recover from it. And then I will get less specific or I will vary the squat I do to accommodate for the fatigue. Right. And as far as that, like something we talked a little bit about earlier was about understanding the reason why you're doing something. So not only doing things at a higher frequency to acquire the skill, but understanding the purpose behind why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah. So, so a hundred percent, like if you were to look at, at any discipline, it's having an intention walking into the gym, um, and trying to match that intention. So if we're going to talk about the gym specifically, it's like the medium is the message, you know, match your intention with a modality that best suits your means. Um, so today we went to a gym I've never been to before. Yeah. What East, was it? East end gym. <laughs> shout out. Yeah. Shout East out end. East end gym. So I've never <laughs> seen this gym before. I loved it. Super old school. Um, we were going to train back today. So the first thing I knew is we're going to go in for more of a hypertrophy mindset. So walking into the gym, you just kind of look around, you start to address modalities, right? Are we going to use a cable machine? What's a cable best used for? What rep scheme goes with that? If I'm going to use a barbell, what am I doing with it? So it's having that intention, right? So, uh, powerlifting, like if you want to be a powerlifter, man, like your intentions to move weight, like you should be under that barbell for the significant portion of your training. If you're a bodybuilder, you should be, you know, finding any exercise that moves origin to insertion closer together. Um, and I think that's the one thing people lack is an intention and critical thought process. Sure. So how would you sort of extrapolate that into something people can apply? Like, okay, you need to improve your thought process. Well, what does that look like? Yeah. So first of all, uh, in the gym, it's like addressing modalities with their given intention. So let's start with the barbell. A barbell is all go, right? Like there's you know, there's no limit to how much you can load a bar, just how many plates you can fit on it. So it's like, man, if you're going to get under a barbell, you better be willing to take it to the house, right? Like you're going heavy, should be, you know, eight reps or less, probably five reps or less, right? Like that's a strength movement. And like, we should be looking to add weight every time we use it, develop skill, lift weight. Now, do you recommend explosiveness during that time as well? Or is it more of a controlled with intention, like in uh, more of a hydrotrophy kind of I think, I think that lends itself to sports specificity, sure. um, but also I don't see a big carryover to doing barbell movements explosively for sport sure. because they usually don't lend themselves to unilateral training. So uh, shout out Mike Boyle. He's a huge strength and conditioning coach in hockey. Uh, he pretty much, don't misquote me on this, but doesn't squat or deadlift his clients. He uses variations of those, but unilaterally. So he'll do B stance RDL. He'll do lunge. Yeah. He loads those movements. Athletes are never on two feet in the same place. Their feet are always switched into either gait cycle or something else. Um, so if you're going to load an athlete explosively, a barbell is probably not the modality you choose, right? Sure. It's probably going to be a dumbbell because mm -hmm. you're loading unilaterally. Right. So to train barbell explosively, 
the intensity's too low and, and the intention's completely gone, right? Like, unless you got 80% on that bar, you're probably not doing the right thing. Sure. So when you're, say, structuring your workout, you go in potentially to do the barbell, regardless of placement, you're going to probably plan to do a lower rep scheme. 100%. At a heavier weight. You got it. In a controlled manner. You got it. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, nice controlled eccentric, explosive on the, the concentric side of the movement. Because again, like with the barbell, gravity is not your friend. Right. So you're going to move more, uh, more explosively through concentric just because you're defeating gravity. Um, and yeah, I'm going to go lower rep scheme. My intensity will be higher perceived to where it's placed in the workout. If I do it first, obviously I can take it to the house. Uh, that's going to be attenuated if I put the barbell at the end of the move at the end of the workout, right? Yep. Uh, a dumbbell is like our, our carryover between stability and strength. It's going to be half stability, half strength. Therefore, the reps are going to be in the middle, right? We're not going to train three reps of dumbbell press like everybody who tells you can, they, can, they can press a hundreds. Yeah. Everybody can press 100s for three, right? Like, yeah. where's that guy doing 100s for 12? So dumbbells sit <laughs> in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dumbbells sit in the middle, right? Like, we're training eight to 12 reps with dumbbells. You can go slow eccentric, slow concentric if you like. You can play with position um, just because a dumbbell is way more ergonomic to train with. Sure. We can get you into better positions. Um, and then after dumbbell, like, let's move to a cable machine. Uh, cable machine, obviously... Uh, is not externally supported for the most part. Like most often cables are, are like a free motion machine. Yep. Um, so you're in space. You're going to have to deal with, you know, finding center of gravity, externally supporting yourself somehow. Those reps are going to be higher, right? We're probably training smaller muscle groups there. So to get to a point of fatigue, we're probably going to be higher within, you know, like the 12 to 20 rep range. Right. So when you're getting on a cable machine, don't load it and take it to the house for one, right? Like yeah. you have the ability now to move through shorten and lengthen positions, like use that to your advantage and f- physiologically fatigue. So as far as machines go then, like where would you place that in the place or in a workout or would you uh, utilize them at all? I love like machines, like you could call them, you know, externally supported machines, uh, pulley and cam machines, fixed apex machines, leg press, horizontal chest press. I love them. Uh, They're fully externally supported. So in that regard, you can go heavy, but you can also go to a lot of reps. Right. It's going to be way more efficient on my breathing to use a machine because my lumbar back, like my lumbar spine is supported. So I don't have to stabilize as much. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can sit on a leg press for 12 to 20 reps. You can sit on a chest press for 12 to 20 reps and you can go heavy because I can lean back into that pad. Right. I, most machines put you at a mechanical advantage to the machine. Yeah. Right. And you can sort of manipulate your body into the intended strength curve or whatever right position yeah yeah 100 percent. so if i have i have clients that are more body compositional um and based on their stability the barbell is not an output exercise uh we'll go to a machine for the mid-range of the movement so in in hypertrophy uh, a way of managing fatigue or increasing volume is to train uh length tension relationship of muscles so starting with a shortened position because you're going to fatigue in the shortened position first moving to a mid-range finishing with a lengthened position that's like the bottom end of a bicep curl where you can hardly bend your arm. Yeah. Uh, that would attenuate fatigue, allow you to train one muscle group for an entire hour because we're constantly uh, deviating range of motion. Uh, if your output isn't a barbell, go to a machine for your mid-range, right? Like sit yeah. on that chest press for as many sets as it takes to be fatigued. Give an example for one muscle group, a short, mid, and a high. Yeah. So let's Three go. Exercises. Yeah. Let's go uh, short, mid, long for chest. Okay. This would be a good one. Yep. So if we look at uh, training the chest, three muscle lengths, first movement could be uh, cable fly, like a decline cable fly. Decline meaning your hands are coming from a higher position to a coming lower down. position. Yep. Yeah, coming down. I'm able to hit shortened position of my chest. 
I can manipulate the position of my wrist to encourage the most internal rotation possible. Uh, that's going to be shortened. Uh, for a client who's not going to be using a barbell, go to horizontal chest press or dumbbell press. That becomes your mid-range. Understanding that this is a mid-range movement, like use tempo appropriately, right? Yeah. Sit in the stretch. You don't need to lock the elbows out. We're never going to get fully shortened anyways. Mm -hmm. The minute you start locking out joints, start using tricep more anyway. Uh, from there, once we got off the chest press, you could go over to say a pack deck if you really wanted to. I think that would be a great lengthen position just because we can sit back in that stretch and I'm not too worried about coming all the way forward. And the uh, external rotation, did you say that that's beneficial as well yeah, then? Yeah. yeah okay. So definitely the external rotation, uh, for that, even you could go again and sit on another cable fly, but you could do like an incline bench cable fly. This oh, yeah. allows you to externally rotate, allows the scap to be supported. Mm -hmm. It allows you to sit in that lengthened position. Um, two, because as the cables deviate from perpendicular to the pulley, they're going to lose tension. So as we get out of that lengthened position, I'm going to lose load anyways. Yep. So I'll sit on an incline bench, fully uh, stabilize my scap, and just train that lengthened position of the chest. So just coming from uh, behind my peripheral vision to just in front. So for the like untrained eye, if they saw you in the gym, they'd say, why the hell is that guy doing partial reps? Correct. Right? But in your mind, you're thinking, well, you're the dummy because I have intention. 100%. And this is exactly what I'm intending to do. Yeah. Right. So I think partial range of motion training doesn't work for strength necessarily. Uh, and if you came in and you only ever trained the shortened position, you only ever right. trained the lengthened position, that's not going to work. But if you're placing them intelligently in a workout um, to the trained eye or to somebody who saw you train more than once a week, uh, they would see that you're just attenuating fatigue, increasing the volume of your workout. Sure. And choosing a modality or a position that best suits those lengths, right? Like getting yourself into a position where you can take, take each length to the house, right? right. Do, you, do you do that every time then? You hit those three lengths for every time you yeah. train a muscle group? Yeah, anytime really, you train so a muscle group. that's part of your protocol. Yeah. Regardless whether your intentions to grow muscle strength... It, it, would, it would always be my protocol when it comes to uh, growing muscle. Okay. Strength, I would choose a different template. Okay. Uh, but if I was going with the idea of hypertrophy, building muscle, I would use that template every time, short, mid, long. Right. Makes hmm. sense for packing on the, on the muscle, yeah. that's for sure. Just allows me to sit and do chest for an hour. And modalities, so that means the tool you're using. Yeah, modality would be. Modality? Yeah, it's like so when the you're saying the barbell, the, the dumbbell, or the... Correct. Okay, so those, that's like the tool. Okay, so summing up, your intention, just because if... Uh, Someone wants to bring all that information yeah. and put it real basic. Yeah. You have to have your intention. So your first thing is what? First off, are you building muscle? Or getting stronger. Like, or, or getting stronger, right? Yeah. So that would be one of the first steps. Figure out that's what you want, yeah. one or the other. 100%. Second one, what would you say? Uh, second one, once I've chosen what my intention is, is what modalities am okay. I going to use? And now after the modalities, now you're thinking... Uh, sets and reps type deal? Yeah, I would probably go once I see the modalities that I have available, yep. then I would choose which one I use for short, mid-range, and okay, long. Okay, the yeah, muscle yeah. lengths. And then I would go to uh, sets and reps. Sets and reps, yeah. okay. So that all that's intentions right there off Correct. the, the get-go. 100%. Nice. I like that layout. Just yeah. It's basic. It's smart. Yeah. It's effective. Yeah. Um, I would take the shortened and lengthened exercise choice to complete fatigue because those are most efficient. I'm training, most likely training that muscle in isolation or I'm disadvantaging things around it. Right. Um, and the mid-range exercise, I'm not going to take to complete fatigue just because there's other muscles involved, right? Yeah. I'm not just right. hitting chest, I'm hitting yeah. anterior delt, I'm hitting tricep. So I'd probably have more of a controlled set and rep range there uh, just because it's something I do in the middle just to give myself a break. But the other two, I would take to complete failure, shortened and lengthened. So today when we're doing that... Uh 
that row where we kind of hitting two types then the short and the kind of a mid range. Cause that first one was like a yeah. tightened one, right? Just yeah. a short movement power squeeze the whole time. Then we kind of had some, yeah, like a medium range, the next step for sure. Yeah. So say? that the first, like we initiated with, with the trap, getting the trap into a shortened position. We were externally supported. Our chest was supported. Yeah. Um, and then from there, yeah, we were taking, you know, lats, you could say the lats were in a mid range position, right? They weren't fully getting shortened. No, they right. weren't fully getting lengthened. So lats were sitting mid range traps were sitting fully shortened. Uh, from there, when you went and saved uh, those two houses and saved the day like a rescue <laughs> hero, uh, we went over to uh, an exercise that allowed us to put our lat into a fully shortened position. Uh, and then we finished with, we started with an exercise that put our lats into a fully lengthened position. Yeah, with those rope, oh, the rope pull downs, right? That rope pull down. Yeah. Okay. So you so went that's long, lengthened, yeah, medium, long, long short. medium short. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a hell of a thing. Those kneeling, uh, uh, I don't even know what you're lap, pull downs, yeah. whatever. Yeah, just like a kneeling lap pull down. Yeah. And you're pretty humble Tense. with the way you go. You're not going yeah. just beast like. No, I just try and, uh, I try and keep tempo consistent. You know, I, I got a lot of time in the gym, right? I got an hour. I'm going yeah. to sit on something and warm up gradually uh, until I get to a load that, you know, feels good. And, you know, I'm just going to sit there. Yeah. You're just, you're humble about it. You know yeah. what I mean? You're getting your good, your good range in. You're getting your good yeah. squeeze in. You're not putting on, you know, 10 plates. Of, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think that comes down to that intention, right? Like my intention is to put tension across fiber not get stronger like if we were going in today and like we were trying to get strong let's deadlift let's bench yeah, you know what i mean and then, yeah yeah let's take it to the house you know what i mean time. like let's do one to three reps let's try and be explosive you know yeah. what i mean let's get fired up but so, you know I, I don't think we need ammonia and ephedrine to hit a quick back workout no. at the east end gym you know <laughs> no. what i mean yeah. it always helps but. yeah in <laughs> <laughs> sort of a leading question then do you have any resources for someone it's okay if i'm sitting at home listening to this thinking okay that's great i have some information but where do i go to try and actually learn about what all this means or how to apply it. Like, do you have any resources you yeah. recommend people check out? Uh, I think the number one resource, like a lot of people ask me, like, oh, like, what's the best book for hypertrophy? Um, you know, like muscle, I want to build muscle. You know, what book do I buy? Who do I watch? First step, man, buy a book on anatomy. Buy like uh, Netter's, Netter's Human Anatomy. Netter's uh, like a clinical anatomy uh, textbook company. They make a coloring book. If you want an adult coloring book, nice. buy that. Uh, or just buy an anatomy textbook. I have another one. I think it's the, uh, the, like the manual therapist's handbook of the body. Right. Another one's like trail guide to the human body. These are books on anatomy. Anatomy trains is something that's talked about a lot. Like, yeah. That's a big one. Thomas Meyer's anatomy trains. He'll explain to you a lot of things about uh, posterior oblique swing, uh, fascia of the body, and then just getting yourself a general understanding of human anatomy. Uh, the website exrx.net. You can literally type any muscle into this website sure, and it will tell you the function, the action, uh, agonist, antagonist, um, and synergistic muscles to that muscle. Uh, so you can figure out how to train it from there, right? Like, like you said, once, once you know that, you don't, it doesn't matter what's at the gym. Yeah. You know that to, for this to work, it needs to go to here yeah. to here. So yeah. I don't care if I got all this equipment. All I need is, like you said, you, you use a doorway. Yeah. You know, use your exactly. t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap yeah. around a doorknob if you need to. 100%, you know I mean? right? Yeah. It's like, if you have that uh, got, like understanding of the anatomy, like you have the base level code, right? Like you're not in the matrix, you're writing the matrix right. at that point, right? Like, and, and if you don't know anatomy, you can't be being that efficient at the gym. Correct. You right. can't. No, you can't. Like this goes back to the idea of like, you know, uh, you know, being a carpenter is great and like knowing how to use a saw, but like, unless I understand physics, I can't build a house. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how many two by fours I need, or I don't know how to cut these, uh, cut the studs or how to cut the rafters. So 
it's like, you know, as a carpenter, like your ability to build a house isn't limited by your ability to use your hands. It's your ability to understand wood and physics and weather and, and climate and where you live. So your ability as a bodybuilder to put on muscle isn't limited by how much pre-workout you take. It's yeah. limited by your ability to understand the human body and how it functions and actions. No doubt. You ever read that Sub- Subtle Leopard? Supple Leopard by yeah. K-Star? Yeah, yeah, I read that back in the day. It's probably one of the first books yeah. I bought. And you know what? It, it got me nice and mobile. I you know, put my legs over my head. and That's, that's kind of where it stopped, right? <laughs> like, uh, you know, yeah. no disservice to him, not talking shit. That's like, like, like put my out. Kama Sutra experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, think, I think it's like the Kama Sutra of the gym, right? Like sure. everybody bought that book and they spent so much time trying to get into those positions. And yeah. guess what? No one came. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... Yeah. Speak for yourself, man. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, everybody was rolling around with green bands tied around their throat and, you yeah. know, I was about 500 pounds. So, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think it provided, uh, it provided at the time mobility to people who didn't know what that word meant. Right. Uh, now I think then it's like, what's the next step? Now it's stability. Right. And hopefully with Prescript, that's where we kind of bridge the gap. It's yeah, like, it's okay, cool. All you guys have green bands wrapped around your throat and you're hanging from the ceiling like Keith Carradine. And it's like, what do you do next? Well, you learn, <laughs> learn Kung Fu, man. You, so. you get a belt. <laughs> do we, yeah. uh, did we explain what Prescript so is? So that's exactly yet? where we're going to go. Yeah. So yeah. everybody We've listening probably doesn't times. know. What's, what's Prescript? Uh, so Prescript, uh, it's a company started by uh, Dr. Jordan Shallow, Dr. Jordan Jinta, and a few other uh, partners in that. Um, and what we are now is we're just an education and coaching company. Uh, we travel across the globe, uh, teaching fitness professionals, coaches, strength coaches, therapists, um, how to utilize a systems way of thinking versus thinking in a system. Uh, so again, encouraging critical thinking, encouraging understanding of the anatomy first. Uh, and then from there, basing your own opi- opinions off of that when you're looking at your client. Again, you know, you're not, case studies don't walk through your door. Human people walk through your door and it goes back to that idea. Like if I know how the human body moves, I can fix anything. Right, right. Yeah, and being able to recognize how they're not moving is almost as effective as moving correctly. Exactly, sure. right? Uh, I, think, I think a good way of thinking is painting a picture with an eraser, not with a paintbrush. Right. So don't start with an empty canvas and paint what you think is there. Right. Start with an eraser and erase what's not there. Yeah. And that's what I go about like, with the demographic I train with the people that have injuries. You know, I don't go into it with a preconceived notion of what's going on. I go in trying everything and just erasing what doesn't work. Sure. So this, this intentions yeah. part, that's part of Prescript, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. So, uh, like Prescript's, you know, founded really a, a lot on the idea that, you know, intention over everything. Uh, and it's funny kind of how I met Shallow and Junto was I took a course with them. And at the time I was training clients and I hadn't taken a Prescript course, didn't really know what it was about. I met Shallow, he's a nice guy. So I decided to support him, come to his course. And uh, they threw this thing up on the board, mobility, stability, strength. And at the time I was using a, a table of skill acquisition to train my clients. So client sessions were broken down into uh, like cognitive skill, associative skill, autonomous skill. To explain those terms better, it would be um, like moving through stability, something with one leg, understanding how that leg works or understanding how that shoulder works. Um, the next step was skill. So I'd move them through some type of skilled movement. Autonomous would be you know, a movement where you just hit go, right? So skill would be a back squat. Autonomous would be the leg press. Sure. Shallow throws up mobility, stability, strength. It looks awfully similar to my, yeah. my triangle of uh, skill acquisition. Uh, talk with Shal after, show him the pyramid that I made. And he thinks, you know, he says to me, you know, either we're both crazy or we're both on the right track. And things kind of went from there. Nice. nice. Really similar intentions on both sides. And uh, before working with Prescript, I ran a coaching business called Intent Training Systems. 
There you go. So I saw the intention <laughs> from day one. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. So then, okay, how does how are things looking for you now? So you're working with Prescript that's relatively yeah. new. Yeah. Um, what are you working on right now? What's coming up? So uh, big things for me uh, next month in February, me and, uh, me and Prescript, me and Jordan Schaller are going to be in uh, Whitby, Ontario, teaching an exclusive good life course on hypertrophy. So a lot of what we spoke of today, muscle length, tension relationships, understanding the anatomy, picking appropriate modalities. Uh, from there, the next week, we're going to be in Calgary teaching more of an assessment style look at mobility stability. And then after that, we're uh, taking a trip out to California. So a big month of February and scattered throughout the year. There'll be more prescript courses uh, for good life, as well as uh, PSL1, which is a, a more broad range of online coaching through prescript for uh, therapists or strength coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an online course people can take Yeah, to be what? Like to uh, be certified, uh, to be a certified prescript coach. Oh, co- to be a coach. Yeah, so, so it'll be searchable you, through prescript. Can you take the course not to be a coach, but just to take it as a learning? Hundred percent. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have a friend of mine right now taking it, and he uh, he works with uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu right. practitioners uh, that are competitive, and he's taking it now just to to bridge the gap between what he knows about uh, being on the mat and what he knows about being in the gym. Yeah. And a lot of these same principles will apply, right? Like skill acquisition, stability, low hanging fruit. Right. It's just, it makes sense. That's the thing. Yeah, it's just critical thinking, how, man. How would people get a sample of this? Because I know I got a sample of it today, being able to talk to you at breakfast and going to the gym. Yeah. And I could tell you're legit. You know, you meet some people, you're like, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> but like, yeah. I, what, what you're saying it all makes sense because I could tell him just some of the things that I've put together over the years. Like you're doing the lengthening. I was just thinking in my head, like I was going through some of the works I'm doing, like, this is the shit that I'm doing without even knowing without I'm doing. You, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just because I want the long and then yeah. I want the squeeze. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't break it into long, short, uh, insertion, origins yeah. and all that. But what you're doing just puts it all into a very scientific way, methodical way, I yeah. guess I should put it, right? Definitely. And that's like a step to mastering something. So if you look at like, um, like anybody who masters a skill, like – if I got called down at halftime of a basketball game and I hit a three-point shot, everyone in the crowd is going to assume it's a fluke because right. I walked out of the stands and I hit a three-pointer. Right. Kobe Bryant walks on the court and hits five threes. They know it's skill. So that's the same thing with like what you're saying. You walk into the gym and you do this every day. Like you satisfy the criteria from a mechanical point of view. Like you can mechanically go through the workout. You've done it before so you understand the sensation of what you're doing and why it makes sense. So bridging that gap to mastery or like transference to other skills would be like understanding the intelligent design behind it, right? And, and now you do. Right. You've been doing it right all along. But the, the limiting factor would be you teaching someone else this. Yes. Um, yes. So it's like, again, it goes back to that quote about the carpenter, the brain surgeon, right? right? The brain surgeon can know everything about medical science, but he's clumsy with his hands. He kills people. Right. So it's like his ability to master his craft depends on his ability to use fine tools. So is there a way that someone could get almost like a sample of this without taking the course? Like, do you have videos out there? Um, yeah, like you can check out uh, YouTube, uh, the Muscle Doc Prescript as well. Prescript's YouTube channel's got a ton of uh, ton of clips of uh, Jinta and Shallow yeah. talking. Okay, I've um, seen some of his Instagrams, the Muscle Doc's Instagrams. Yeah, Muscle Some Doc of the things well. he's releasing, especially lately, I find. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're sweet, man. Yeah. The one was, uh, it was like a back pull. But using... Um, oh, it has the two handles. Yeah, right? the two yeah, handles yeah, yeah. there. I like that shit. Yeah, man. So, like, you can check out either myself, uh, Killian Hamilton on Instagram, or the Muscle Doc, uh, or Red, White, and Jordan, or the Functional Cairo, which is Jordan Jinta of Prescript, 
or check out Prescript itself where we repost everything and all of yeah. our information's there. Yep. Uh, Muscle Doc's going to give you like a really good insight into like boots on the ground, like how to train in the gym. Junta uh, is going to give you a really good look into to training as well. And then if you want to look at my page, it's probably me in small shorts spouting philosophy. But, yeah. <laughs> Again, like, you know, pick your poison and whatever flavor you like, follow yeah. them. Yeah. With legs like that, you're allowed short shorts. Yeah. yeah. That's the that's, reason I don't wear short shorts. The, that's the rule, like, man. It's the reason I stopped training arms, right? If, you know, if people know that my legs are big, just yeah. get them bigger, there right? You Play yeah. to your strengths. Yeah. I'm the other way. My arms are like, oh, my legs aren't going, but my arms are. My yeah. Let's keep pumping them. Yeah, I, I train in shorts and a hoodie, so <laughs> tells you tells you how big my legs are. Nice. So just to kind of go on your day-to-day then, how do you apply all this stuff to yourself? So you're working long days. You've got a big schedule coming up this year. Lots on the go. Yeah. How do you kind of prioritize your day? Or like, what does that look like? And uh, what I'm getting at is, how, do, how would somebody take a, a step towards having a day similar to yours? Like, you know what? I want legs like Killian Hamilton. I want to be super smart and be able to apply this critical thinking to my life. What do you do like tomorrow morning? What's, like, what's a typical day like? Yeah, man. I think like the big thing, like everyone's going to tell you this, right? I'm not going to be the first person to say it. I won't For be sure. the last. It's goal setting and, and not goal setting in terms of like writing down. I want to make X amount of money. I want to do this. Like we focus on when we goal set, we focus on results. We don't focus on behaviors. Mm-hmm. So I think number one is focus on winning behaviors. Winning results will occur. Like, uh, like basketball games aren't won because people win. Basketball games are won by a result of the other team scored less baskets than you. You didn't even need to play offense. You just needed to play defense. So in achieving goals, I think it's about, it's about that mindset of like defensive behaviors. Um, like if I, I want to train 15 clients and I want to be at the gym from 6 to 9 p.m. and still get a workout in, the defensive behavior is scheduling my workout like a client, mm-hmm. not right. scheduling people into that time, right? Um, so that's number one. Like I schedule all my workouts a week in advance. Um, number two is I eat similar foods. I'm not worried about where my food's coming from that day. That's a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I don't have to worry about nutrition that's solved. So that's my other defensive behavior. Yep. Um, and two is finding something that doesn't relax you, but brings you joy. Uh, it's something muscle bill brought up. It's not about, you know, becoming relaxed. It's about finding something that brings you joy. And, and for me, that's reading. I like reading a lot. So, uh, every paycheck I buy two books off Amazon. I'll usually buy two books with either competing views or I'll buy two books of different disciplines. So I'll usually read some book on exercise science, some book on philosophy, I try and find thing, ideas that mirror each other in those books. Um, and I just set aside time to read those every day. Like if I get 15 minutes, I open the book. I read as much as I can. I put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, again, it's celebrate behaviors. Don't celebrate results. Time is just a concept. Like you get stronger when you get stronger. You lose weight when you lose weight. Your arms grow when your arms grow. You can only manage behaviors. You can never manage a result. Right. So just how does uh, how do you schedule something like social media then? Because that's clearly part of your business. It's part of everything that's going on, especially now. Yeah, man. If there was a, if an area and op- opportunity for improvement, it would be social media. Yeah. Nothing drives me nuts more than posting on stupid social media. Yeah. Um, so in terms of social media and you know assigning a value in my day to it, at one point maybe it had very little value. Nowadays it doesn't. So it's. It's not going into the day with an intention of posting on social media or knowing what I'm going to post. Right. I'll pick an hour in the day when I do it. So sometimes I'll choose like, hey, at the end of my workout, I'm going to post. I put it in my schedule. Mm -hmm. Post to social media. 
another part of my day, I might post at 7 p.m. at night. Um, I don't follow like algorithms or metrics or anything for it. I just sure. post when I want to, but I choose different times in the day to post because my motivation or my, my thought process will be different. So number one, I put it in my schedule. Number two, I post at a variety of times or I write posts at a variety of times uh, to change the motivation I have. If every day I wrote a post when I worked out, every day we'd be doing some crazy trap exercise, right? If every day I posted at 9 p.m. at night, I'd be spouting Nietzsche and Camus on the internet all day. <laughs> you're reading, yeah. And like, fucking no one wants to hear me yell <laughs> philosophy into an empty room. So, uh, you know, I vary it. And again, I schedule it. I think the biggest thing is putting things in your schedule. Because um, if they're there, you know, they're real. Like my job is very schedule-based. If I have someone at 5.30 a.m., I got to be there. Yep. If my workout's at 5.30 a.m., I got to be there. If social media's at 5.30 a.m., I got to do it. You're there. So it's like I've, I've learned to develop, I've learned to live by a schedule and die by a schedule. And if you can do that, then you'll be successful. So how do you take into account things like over, like fatigue basically, because it'll accumulate, I guess you just manipulate your schedule if you notice that that's becoming a thing or? Yeah, um, with my schedule, like I'm only going to be able to train people when I train them. I, uh, I just ask people to come in when I want to train them. I don't ask them to come in when I don't. Sure. Everybody I train, I ask, how early can you come? Yep. What time can you come tomorrow morning? Uh, I don't train people after 7 p.m. because I don't want to. Yeah, you close your schedule. Sure. Yeah, I just yep. go home. <laughs> and they'll find another day. Like, I'll train people seven days a week if I don't have to be there after 7. But um, in terms of fatigue and, like, getting my own training in, um, I know what I want to accomplish in a week. I don't know what I want to accomplish per day. Right. So shit can hit the fan real quick. First thing I do before I train, I'll decide if I'm going to do upper or lower body. I pick some type of cognitive or stability-based exercise to do. I'll go stand on one leg if I'm going to squat. I'll do a single leg RDL. I'll do a hip airplane. Mm -hmm. If I'm falling all over the place, that's not a strength training day. It's a bodybuilding day. I'll take my knee sleeves off and I'll go sit yeah. on the leg curl and I'll leg curl for an hour and a half if sure. that's what that day calls for. If I go out and I do a hip airplane, I'm super stable and I'm in it thinking properly. I'm definitely going to get under the barbell. You're going to the house a little bit. Yeah, for, yeah sure. for sure. So, you know, maybe the hip airplane's on a clinical assessment of allostatic load. Allostatic load's a, a stress versus optimum performance scale. Right. Uh, for anybody who wants to look that up, there's somebody smarter than me that'll explain it. Uh, but I just use that. It's cognitive. It's stability. I'm on one leg. I have to concentrate. You know, if I'm thinking about Disney princesses or eating cream of rice, you know, yeah. hip airplane's not going to go. So... Uh, it's a really good assessment of where my head's at for the day. And from there, that'll deviate if it becomes the strength day or if it becomes a bodybuilding sure. day. Sure, it's hip airplane. Uh, hip airplane is like a deviation of center of mass from a single leg deadlift. So basically, you do a single leg deadlift. Uh, it's the point where you're most parallel to the ground. Um, and then at that point, you abduct through the hip or flex the glute. It should open your body uh, up halfway. I think in yoga, they call it half moon, maybe. If you're a yogi or practitioner of that, so do you have a band or is this no? Just it's just you on your own, man. Stand yeah, on one okay. leg, yeah, lean back, and open her up. About. So yeah. uh, you can check it out on on my page uh, on Prescript. You can YouTube it. You'll see hip airplane out there. Uh, yeah. More so than single leg deadlift, just the idea of standing one leg and you know shifting your center of mass, deviating center of mass, uh, gives you a good idea. You know if you're if you're in it that day to keep going. So nice. out of curiosity, you mentioned knee sleeves and stuff. What are your thoughts on uh, like training implements like that? Knee sleeves, elbow sleeves, that kind of stuff, wrist wraps? Yeah. You know, I think if you compete in it, wear it. You sure. know, there's no, there's no metal out there to go no sleeves, no belt. What about just someone like you're at home gym lifter, like I'm going to use straps on my wrists and I don't know, figure eight straps for everything. Yeah. Well, you know, I think like, you know, at some point you'll have a diminished rate of return on grip strength. Sure. Uh, but it goes back to, to what is the end goal? Mm -hmm. 
if I'm a bodybuilder and I'm training back and I want to put tension across fibers, I'm going to make sure my tempo and the load I use is controlled, but I'm going to throw straps on. Yeah. You don't want your grip to be a limiting exactly. factor. Yeah. The grip's not the limiting factor in me growing a huge back. If I'm a powerlifter, my grip's a huge factor in me lo- taking a deadlift to lockout, right? Yep. Or me transferring force to a barbell. Yep. So I'll probably limit straps to top sets and I'll probably warm up without them. Mm-hmm. And if you're just an everyday Joe, I would wager more the economic commitment of purchasing powerlifting equipment in a climate that loves to make things expensive. Yeah, right. You probably don't need to. Yeah. Like give yourself, you know, a pat on the back and squat 225 and, you know, you don't get need a used belt. to it. You don't need a belt. You don't need straps. You know yeah. what I mean? No, that makes sense. Yeah. You ever use the hook grip? Uh, yeah. When I deadlift, I do use hook grip. Um, I found... It just allows me to get into a better position, creates a longer lever, allows friction to be the defining factor in me holding on to the bar. And I love it, man. Yeah, it's Changed the best. Game. Changed the whole game. And like nobody knows about it. It seems like not, none of my friends anyways. They're all fighters. They're not power lifters. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And if, and if I was a fighter, I think I, would, I think I would genuinely not do like over under grip. Like I wouldn't sacrifice. Yeah shoulders and biceps to deadlifting more yeah, like go hook grip or go bad. straps yeah it's bad for me the over under yeah it'd be it's terrible for you yeah look at your biceps man but the, this hook grip man yeah changed my Saves life everything. except my my thumbs are busted now so i was trying to use hook grip at the gym last night and i couldn't get my thumb so i was barely pinching yeah. it yeah. and man was that ever painful once yeah. the weight was on i was just pinching the tip of my finger i was like oh yeah. <laughs> i'd probably just use figure eights if i was you it's just it's easy and then you I don't have to just, worry about it. I know, but I'm just one of those guys. When I put You'll on push the straps. It. I'm I, like, what the fuck? I guess. Why do I need these straps? Yeah. yeah. I'd like, yeah, okay, I'd use these straps if it was an impressive weight, but it's just not. Then you're going to hurt yourself. You know yeah, I mean? true. That's fair. <laughs> so in the grand scheme of things then, uh, what would you say your opportunity for improvement is right now? Like your greatest opportunity to improve in your day-to-day or in your goal setting for yourself? I'm curious what your goals are currently for yourself. But then, yeah, like everybody's got a weak point or a place that they're working on improving. You said you read a lot of books. Yeah, so I read a lot of books, man. It's probably, it's it's not a sign of me being more intelligent than anyone else. Like reading a lot of books and understanding a lot of books is two different things. Mm-hmm. It's like praising a guy who can do math in his head and you can do math wrong in your head. Sure. So, uh, but I think... I think for me, the biggest area of opportunity, like big goal I have, like I'm, I'm trying to go to nationals next year for powerlifting. Uh, this year I had some injuries that kept me off the platform. So next year nationals. Which, which is federation? Uh, CPU. Okay. Yep. So the, uh, the drug tested, not drug free federation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm going to be going to nationals for that. So it's just staying healthy and uh, not letting the ego get the better of me. Uh, in powerlifting, I don't really think there's an off season. There's your peaking for a meet or you're yeah. not. And if you're not peaking for a meet, like you really don't need to take it to the house. You don't need to load up one rep max. So to be keeping myself in check for that. Right. Especially when social media is always knocking on the door. Um, and then in terms of personal development for me, it's just going to be learning more. Like I can wax poetic about philosophy all day and, and talk to you about different things like that. But at the end of the day, uh, I think in the realm of fitness, what takes, you know, what creates a divide, what we talked about was having that understanding of anatomy. So it's just constantly, uh, reading, but then practicing, like implementing, uh, you know, what I've learned and what I do read uh, into the gym. So if it's philosophy, it's like finding out how that can make my training better. Being able to quote Plato doesn't make you a great coach. Being able to implement uh, philosophies into training makes you a great coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with like reading an anatomy textbook, right? You can know everything there is about the anatomy. 
unless you can walk into the gym and throw some weight on the bar, it's not going to matter. Right. So again, it's biggest opportunity for myself is to just take what I've read and, and implement it on the platform. Right. Now, do you intend to kind of implement that into your clients or potential coaches from Prescript, like PSL1? Yeah, so, so you're not only improving that for yourself, but your ability to teach that or coach that. Yeah. So uh, as everybody who trains with me one-on-one every day knows, I kind of go into every day with this theme. Uh, and I kind of just work out a thought with everyone who gets in front of me and they're kind of subject uh, to being an innocent bystander to my thought process. Sure. Uh, it's the greatest thing about coaching, right? You just work in a big laboratory, just experimenting with people all day yep. uh, with hypothesis. So everything I learn, I learn first for others before I learn it for myself. Um, so anything a client's ever done, I've done on myself, but I probably learned it for them. And if it's worked for them, I've probably implemented it on myself. I don't work <laughs> the other way around. Um, so yeah, everything I do is usually with someone else in mind. Um, and then from there, it's like, if I can take what I've learned and I can teach others, that's the most rewarding thing. Like more than even training clients one-on-one it's, you know, like the coolest thing is like, I'll post an exercise on social media the next day, somebody will tag me them in them doing it or in them taking a client through it or that helping somebody. Uh, like I work at a gym with 10 other trainers and when I do something on the floor and a week later, nine dudes are all doing the same exercise as me with a client. Like that makes me feel pretty good. You know what I mean? Like proof is in the proof is in the pudding proofs in the numbers and you see other people do it and be successful that's what matters so um in terms of me learning it's like i learned for others so to constantly grow my client base and constantly implement better strategies for people uh, and then two to be able to help other coaches implement better strategies from there yeah no that's awesome yeah it's great (laughs) (laughs) you're doing a hell of a job like Thanks, man. I've known you now, I don't know, a few years, three, four, yeah, something probably, like that, yeah. whatever, yeah. Three, four years, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I remember at RPS, it was the June meet, not the October meet, but yeah. you were squatting. I think you hit, like, 424 or something like that. Yeah. What are, your, what are your numbers? Yeah. Uh, so, my numbers are, I have a 500 squat or 225 kg. Uh, my best bench is 303. I don't know what that is in KG, 142 and a half, I, I think. I don't know. Half, kind of. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then my best deadlift's uh, 545. Yeah. Nice. So, awesome. uh, yeah, definitely an improvement from uh, previous years and, and despite training uh, for different things, right? Like bobsled took right. me away from yeah. doing any kind of powerlifting and uh, getting back to powerlifting's been fun, doing a lot of volume and, you know, yeah. developing a skill, which is literally all I try and do. Were you just saying you competed in the same thing? Yeah, so my my last meet I did uh, was June 2016, and Killian, I think, I don't know if I knew you online or something before yeah, that, but... I think it was like the old IG, yeah. follow for follow. But, uh, so he competed... Muscle Bill sent you nudes. Yeah, that's right. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> sending me beard pics. Oh, that's right. It's the up angle, right? You got to get that volume. But uh, I remember you, you out-squat me by about, about 20 pounds. Yeah. And I remember I was pretty stoked I beat your bench. Yeah. And deadlift as well. But I was like 30 pounds heavier. So, yeah. I mean, whatever. But my probably my first memory of you was after the meet was over or during that time. You came up to a group of us. I think it was me and Brady and whatever. Yeah, and you probably. were just like, you're saying how neat it was to share the platform with us. Yeah. And like including me. And I was like... I need to leave this group. Like you're, no not, way, you're not man. talking to me and you're like, nah, man, it's, it's super cool. I'm like, yeah. I'm nobody, man. I'm not strong. I'm just doing this. Like I'm just a dude. And you're like, no dude, like it's super cool. Like, yeah. And like, up here, I'm like, it was really, a, a kind of blew my mind a bit. I'm like, Brady just attempted 800 pounds. Yeah. Man. Like you squ- you just don't squat me. I'm not impressive. No, I, <laughs> but, I think like, I think like sharing like a platform with people or sharing the octagon with somebody, it's like, yeah. it's not always about that skill or that person's track record, but who they are. Right. Sure. Like 
with you with all like the health stuff, man, and like the the way you carry yourself, and like even Joel here, man. Like I never met this dude before, but he's been a wicked dude today. He's like no nothing but positive. So it's like it's an honor to share a space with people that are that are positive, people that are, that are looking to grow and that are humble. Um, you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be happy or proud or excited to share a platform with people that were negative or putting people down. So mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. And I you know I think it kind of comes full circle to when I did bobsled. Like, man, that's a fucking high-pressure environment, dude. Like, everyone's trying to go to the games. Nobody's nice. (laughs) No one's really trying to help you out. Like, there's a lot of people I met that uh, are my friends now uh, and that I respect a lot and definitely were, uh, you know, people that changed things in my life for the positive. But overall, it was an experience of, like, high stress and, and negativity. So to like get back to powerlifting and even previous to powerlifting, see that difference in support. Sure. Um, and it's an amateur sport, right? Like when you meet people in an amateur sport that treat it like an amateur sport, that's what's nice. Right. None of us are getting paid. Like we don't have to be dicks about it, right? There is so, no games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really. Like there's no one's getting a medal for this, right? Who cares? Yeah. You throw some Metallica on, you know, buy a t-shirt and get the fuck out of here. So yeah. Uh, yeah. that's powerlifting. So I think it's like when you find people that are, that are positive and supportive, like that's what makes it exciting. Yeah. Well, your attitude, like I said, I guess to get to the end of that is really what stuck with me. I'm like, all right, well, Killian, instantly, you're a good dude. Like, like you Thanks. said, you're one of those guys. Not only are you intelligent, you know what you're talking about. You clearly train effectively because you're strong as fuck and you're in like aesthetically good shape as Thanks, well. Man. But you know what I mean? It's like on top, besides all that, your mindset is really, uh, it's very rare. You know, Thanks, that dude. opportunity for growth on the mind all the time. and. Yeah thinking more effectively is it's yeah it's very neat so i i respect i have a lot of Thanks, respect man. for you and i like i said i really appreciate the distance involved geographically to oh, come yeah. on here and sit with us you know this is i'm seeing a trend in some of the elite people that we talk to in the sport right or in the fitness industry and uh like you said one of them is the positivity negativity thing like None of these people we come to get down here come here and like ah, I hate this I hate that yeah. everyone stays pretty positive yeah. right the other one is structure they all share that common theme like you're saying organization limiting stressors mm-hmm. all that all that business and then the other one is always being goal driven like there's always that next step like you yeah. read and I hate I knew it like when you're talking like this motherfucker must read a lot. Like, I can tell, that's what I was thinking in my head. I'm like, please tell me you have another trick other than reading. And you're like, and then I just do something that I like. I like to read. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I need to start reading, man. That's, that's yeah. one of my takeaways. Cause yeah. every person we get that's, that's here and they're really smart are reading. Cause that's how you get smarter. Yeah. And I think like when it, like to just to interrupt you completely and take the mic, I'm just kidding. But Absolutely. Um, like about do the, that. about the reading thing, <laughs> is, uh, man, do people all read the same thing? Like, if I have to open another story on Instagram of, like, what's that, the subtle art of don't not giving a fuck? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, what I, horse shit you know what I don't give a fuck about that book? <laughs> that book, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, dude, like, again, like, there's something to be said, like, Plato, super old Greek dude from thousands of years ago, wrote a bunch of philosophy. And after that, people have said that any philosophy after Plato was just a footnote. It was just somebody kind of taking a spin on what he said. So when it comes to reading, I think to be more critical of it, if you want to read something and it's not like a billion years old, look at who that person was influenced by or look at three influences that person had and read those three books first and then read that book that you wanted to read because maybe you'll understand it better right. or maybe you'll grasp the base principles, right? Like um, Socrates and Pl- like Plato said that Socrates said um, basically that mastering anything, mastering a skill or mastering an art 
is understanding the first principles of that art. Otherwise, it's a habitude. It's just a habit, a mechanical thing you've invented. So it's like if you want to be great at being stoic, which is a cool thing to be now, like stoic, I guess quiet. Hipster style, yeah. Hipster style, like have one chair and a white wall. It's like, dude, read Marcus Aurelius. Don't read some dude from 2017 who wrote a book on being stoic. Like, right. read the OG. Is that a real thing, the white wall thing? Oh, I don't know. I just made that. It just oh. seems super stoic. You know, what's, you know what's funny? It's that you mentioned that, and I've never told you this before, but one of my exes thought I was fucking insane because they're like, what would you do in your ideal relaxing space at your house? I'm like, all right, well, I would have a stool with a little fold-out wood thing that I could put my plate on yeah, and it'd just be a blank wall and I would sit at the stool and eat my plate of food on this little thing in the middle of the wall by myself. And they're like, that sounds that's, like where the crazy people go. That's re- yeah. that's relaxing. I'm like, right. But, but there's no, there's no visual stimulation. Yeah. There's no audio stimulation. I'm sitting here. There's nothing stressful in front of me. I have a blank mind. I'm eating my food, whether I enjoy it or not, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's just super chill. Yeah. I'm like that sounds like, a relaxing meal to me. Yeah. And they're like, you sound like a fucking psychopath. <laughs> hey, man, that'd be pretty I'm, relaxing. I mean, but me. there's a white wall in the chair. I'm like, yo, I thought of that a couple yeah. of years ago. <laughs> See, you should write a book, man. And I was still like, up before it was cool. <laughs> subtle art of muscling around Bill. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think like that's funny. the big thing with reading, right? And yeah. it's like, we take everything at face value. We want to read what everybody else wrote. We want to post a story about it. Sure. It's like, man, like get to the source just get to the source like read what the first guy said and then when you read what the new guy said like maybe you under a understand it better or maybe you base your own opinions yeah Yeah, you might not like the angle that guy took yeah maybe he edited out all that good shit you know what i mean he kept that good good for himself yeah or just puts a spin on it that you don't necessarily take you know what i mean two of us could read the same thing we both we take something completely different Uh, from exactly and with a lot of these like philosophical self-help books that's what it's about like you're going to interpret it the way you interpret it. And it's like, go to the source, like get that, get that base code, right? It's like, it goes back to like, what's the best book for building muscle? What's the best book for building strength? Buy a book on anatomy, learn yeah. the base code yourself yeah. and write your own program. Right. Right. And this has come from a guy who coaches people online. I'm telling you to buy a book and write do your it, own program. Do it on your own. <laughs> yeah. Like stop DMing or, me. Or should buy I, my shit. Or yeah. buy my shit. Stop, do that too. Guys. Yeah, yeah. Stop asking, should I put chains on the bar? Just, yeah. Just go Just buy the book and do it yourself, man. Or if right. you want to eliminate a stressor in your life, get a coach and don't ask questions. Yeah. yeah. Then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. yeah. Show up every day. Yeah. Ideally, there'll be a prescript coach because then you know they're not a fucking moron. Yeah. And then maybe they think critically, right? That's right. I'd hope so. Because then you don't have to think at all. Okay, what about uh, a book? What would you say if one per- to if there's one book out there, self help book? What one would they get, or what one should they get? Are you thinking for you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a really good book called Switch. I can't remember who wrote it. It's called Switch. It's a blue okay. book. It's got a red light switch on it. Uh, it basically goes over the idea of like the rider and the elephant. Like who's who's choosing the path? Are you choosing the path, or is what around you choosing the path? Oh yeah, somewhat existentialist in the idea is it your is it your essence is it your identity or is it your environment that dictates what you do um so i would say switch is a number one book to read the other book that i would recommend reading if you want something deeper is the concept of mind by gilbert ryle okay uh that book is all about uh, a lot of its skill acquisition and understanding uh like that intellectual and mechanical skill aren't different from one another they exist together 
So it's not all about knowing and it's not all about doing. It's about marrying the two. So right. concept of mind uh, and switch. Nice. Very interesting, yeah. I probably need that book. So then I'm not all just go. I know I know why yeah. I go. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's the thing, knowing the intention, knowing yeah. the why. The thing is you have to read it, though. You can't just buy it. Uh, it and that's, we talked briefly when you were fun. gone. Yeah. I don't retain information well when I read, so I me think audio books are much better for me, and that's something that I just haven't implemented yet. But I'm on the same boat. I'm like, I really would like to infuse my brain with more information but i hate reading and books seem to be the way to go so audiobooks i guess yeah. i don't have an excuse you know it's just i need put out the money and buy some i need a brain supplement i think <laughs> as we talked about earlier what's the intention of your creatine i don't know yeah whatever the brain supplement i want to read a book yeah <laughs> i yeah. take creatine to read books <laughs> yeah but it is now a nootropic right sure yeah it's good for brain health but yeah, uh, Audible, YouTube, I don't know. Yeah. I've never watched anything on YouTube. No. No. I, I've like watched <laughs> stuff, but like nothing in educational. I was saying that to Bill. Like yeah. I can't listen to an audiobook. I can't watch YouTube. I just gotta read it for myself. Really? See, I'm I have I'm watching on YouTube. <clears throat> that helps me out. Yep. Yeah. See, that's good. Like and that's the I need thing, that right? Visual. Find that tool. Find that tool that allows you to access the yeah. information. Or we could even say what medium yeah, the medium is the message, right? What modality best suits your go. way of learning? Yeah. Circle back around. And then don't job. bother with the other one. Don't read a book if you can't read books good, right? right. I don't read good. <laughs> yeah. Stop reading. Read yeah. Stop doing it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> go with what you're good with. Yeah. yeah, 100%, man. Strengthen your strengths and fucking carry on. Yeah, strengthen your strengths, hide your weaknesses. <laughs> with a sweater. Yeah. That's what a lot of people, I bet you, take away from this is that you could, you could apply it to everything. It's not just your workout, you know. What no, I mean? yeah, this is like this is. I'm just... waking up today. What's my intention going to be? Like, mm -hmm. what am I waking up for? What do I got to do? What do I got to get done before the, the sun sets? Exactly, know? and like looking at your schedule, look at it the same way. It's like knowing when you first get up in the morning, you're probably not good for an hour, two hours when you first wake up to do something smart, right? You're probably going to get warmed up. So maybe you do a word search, maybe you do a crossword puzzle, maybe you do a Rubik's Cube or Sudoku on your way to work or when you first get to work, take five minutes, do something smart. And it's like schedule your work throughout the day to meet your ability to like access like neurological, like your brain is tired versus physiological, your body is tired, right? Like it doesn't have to be about the gym, but it's like, man, if you got stuff to do on the weekend, do the smart people stuff first, man. Like have a big breakfast and do the stuff that requires you to think. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't do thinking stuff at 7 p.m. at night. Like yeah. don't read when a book. At, yeah. yeah, don't read a book at 9 p.m. Dude, read the book at 9 a.m. and do your laundry at 9 p.m. Like right. there's nothing stopping you from doing that. Or to plug another uh, Jay Nira's book, right? The Sisyphus. Yeah, Systems. You can do the systems journaling at the end of the day or the start, but if yeah. you're tired at nighttime, it's a good time to set intentions for the next day. This 100%. whole gratitude journaling is huge well, right now, but it's, if you want to schedule that, plan that, do it around your psychological or your, your mental capacity to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing is like the, the whole gratitude journal thing or the, the whole idea of intention is it's like live in the moment, man. Like yeah. that's basically the story that's, that's a that's something you could glean from the idea of Sisyphus, like the actual Greek mythology itself about yep. this dude who had to push a rock up a hill forever and the rock constantly kept rolling down and you could contemplate suicide all day because that sucks. Or dude, you could just accept that you push yeah. a rock all day 
and be the best damn rock pusher ever, yeah. right? Like, don't, don't you mention him? Yeah, so that's talks? when I talk about it a bit because yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, I remember because he sounds like syphilis. <laughs> yeah, it's super, sure <laughs> super close. Very different. terrible name, bud. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but, man. So yeah. I think yeah, it's just living in the moment every day, right? Like accepting what your role is, like in your own life that day, and like do that well. Like if. Mm-hmm your role that day is to train 15 clients, train the shit out of those dudes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If your role that day is to do Rubik's cubes and do the laundry, man, do the shit out of that laundry. Yeah, that Wash those clothes. <laughs> yeah. No, I like it. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to cover before we wrap up? Uh, no, man. I just like really appreciate this opportunity to, to yell into a, a big, yeah. cool looking empty room with you two guys. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> if anybody took anything from this, uh, that's awesome. And if you didn't find me on Instagram and tell me I wasted your time. And that's cool yeah. too. And, no, I'm sure that won't no feel refunds. That way, no refunds no. on time. That's right. Or on the Maximum Meathead podcast. Sorry yeah. about your luck. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> so people that want to look you up, you're on a few different ways. You've got prescript. How do they uh, spell your name and things? It's a little bit. Yeah, this is how this is how good I am at this. I'm opening my Instagram currently to tell you how to find me. Beautiful. <laughs> what is this? What is my Instagram? Uh, name? Yeah, so you can find me mainly at uh, Killian Hamilton on instagram from there there's a link to the prescript website which offers our coaching and seminar dates that i'll be both a part of uh from there you can also email or call me my numbers on there too uh or shoot me a dm about anything any questions you have from today's podcast or questions about training or philosophy or beard, um, beard picks yeah or beard picks sweet beard and short picks and uh no short picks yeah. uh and then uh lastly yeah. <laughs> you do some weirdo out there with yeah. this they'd be like oh you asked me to yeah, yeah, yeah. the short picks <laughs> just kidding yeah i am short you'll have a picture of my short ass yeah you yeah. had to say just kidding because that asshole that's out there right now yeah, yeah i don't want my asshole out there <laughs> uh and then you know what if you're in the brampton area i work at good life king's point plaza swing by for a workout yeah. down to take you through one or you can train with me man it's all good I'll whip the whiteboard out. We can talk. I'm always down to talk shop. So you can find me in the gym, find me on the internet, or find me in a back alley if you want to beat the shit out of me, man. They go nuts. Not a tough guy. So. <laughs> I'm just going to say, highly recommend it up until the back alley thing. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, I don't recommend people do that. Yeah, yeah don't do that. He's yeah. my homie now. Yeah, yeah that's right. I have to go blasting in. Now we got to go for a cruise, <laughs> yeah, a road trip to meet your Brazilian jiu jitsu guy. Yeah, and yeah. fucking yeah. cause some problems. Yeah, we'll all throw down. That I'm, yeah, I'm a pussy too. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. That's oh, awesome, man. I just hope that uh, people understand the level that you're at. Thanks, dude. I, I really that appreciate you're at that. Anyways, you just have a, you're like the John Dan. If I don't know if you know Brazilian Jiu Jitsu at all, John Danaher, he has this way of teaching Jiu Jitsu that's taken over, and it's so systematic. It's something cool. that's like, it's been missing. Like, it's it's almost exactly how you're breaking things down. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, why are we doing it this way? Yeah. How's the how how does that that body part move? You know what I mean. What yeah. do we have to eliminate so that it can't get into that range, or it can't escape this, or it can't do that? And he has the system so broken down and methodical, and just you're like the weightlifting version. That's of sick, man. Today. That's awesome. It's yeah. a big it's compliment. Thank you. Look up John Danaher. Yeah, I'll do that. Jiu-Jitsu and you'll see what I'm talking about. Just because sure. it's just like it's simple, but yeah. it works, and it's so overlooked. It's like. It's all about being organized, really. Yeah. That's what it comes down to is organization. Yeah. Yeah. Eliminate stressors yeah, and it's, great. it's damage control. So awesome. check out Prescript, everybody. Yeah. I believe in it. I've been following the RX radios for like two years and, you know, shallow and all that. And like, like honestly, it's probably a number one input for information for me from a training perspective anyways, just because it's so applicable. But so many people don't, they don't know how to access it. They're not familiar with it. And that's... Yeah. No, I, I'm very much a fan of everything going on. And I, awesome, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate you coming down and I wish it. 
I'm very excited to follow along this year for you and yeah. see all the things that come. Yeah. So we got to do this again. Yeah, I want to go lift some weights, dude. Yeah, yeah let's go to Brampton and yeah. fucking yeah. just train. Like I'm, I missed out on my out. I know, pissed. There's no yeah. fire well, calls in Brampton. No, yeah. exactly. Pager stays at home. So <laughs> yeah, that'd be sick, man. Rip it down to uh, Brampton, Toronto, and uh, yeah, we'll yeah. get a w- workout in. Yeah, we'll save it for a nice heavy day. Yeah, where yeah. I don't have a broken wing, anyways. Yeah, yeah. If anybody's still listening, do a little screenshot and reshare thing and uh, tag us all or whatever. We'll do all that shit. But uh, otherwise, make an appointment, donate some blood, and save a life. 100%. Yes, sir. And uh, otherwise, bye. Bye. Wait a minute. <laughs>